Welcome to Woody Online. Thank you for tuning in to one of our pre-recorded services. Our community is based in Cardiff and we meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to see you there. We hope you enjoy this week's message and that it inspires and blesses you. Welcome to Woody Online. My name's Annabelle and I'm one of the leaders here at Woody. We are continuing our series on 1 Peter and today we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 to 7. So let's dive right in and read it. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So let us pray. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying through this passage. Amen. So you will have noticed that this passage is addressing those who are married. I hope that it will still be of interest, however, to those who aren't, as there are some truths here about how we should generally conduct ourselves. So let's dive right in and unpack what's being said and what is not being said. So verses one and two say, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now, when we see the phrase in the same way, we automatically need to be looking backwards because Peter has clearly been talking about something before that's still relevant. And at the end of the previous chapter, as Josh talked about last week, he has been talking about submission in other contexts to human authorities, for example. And he has set it in the context of Christ's submission. So verse 21 in chapter 2 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So in other words, as Christ submitted himself to the cross for our sakes, so we should be submissive in various contexts. And in the same way, wives are to be submissive to their husbands. The phrase be submissive is the same word as submit. So it's not a passive resignation, as it might sound here, but an active choice. It's also not a reward for the husband's good behaviour, but a command from God to be obeyed. But we should notice that it says be submissive to your own husband. It's not saying that women should be submissive to men in general. It's talking about the specific context of marriage. And what reason are we given for this instruction? Well, two reasons are given. Beauty and witness, or rather submission is beautiful and this is then a witness. The purity and reverence that is displayed in a submissive wife is a witness to the husband so that in Peter's words, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. The Enduring Word commentary explains that 
A first century married woman who had begun to follow Jesus would be asking questions such as, should I leave? Should I assume a superior position over my husband? It was almost unthinkable in this culture for a wife to adopt a different religion than her husband. Christian women who came to Jesus before their husbands needed instruction. Now, for some of you, all this talk of submission might be rankling a bit. So let's address this before we go too much further so that that's not a distraction. And let's be very clear on what we mean by submission. Submission is totally consistent with equality and importance. Jesus was submissive to God the Father, but he was not lower than him. The theologian Grudem says the command to wives to be subject to their husbands should never be taken to imply inferior personhood or spirituality or lesser importance. The Bible teaches from the very beginning that men and women are created to be different and are equal image bearers of God. It's just that we have lost that sense in our society these days of what it means to submit And of course, we have centuries of abuse of women by men, and oftentimes the Bible has been wrongly used to justify that. Let's remember as an aside that there are women leaders and prophets throughout the Old and New Testaments, and that Jesus was radical in his inclusion of women into his circle. There's a whole other preach there, but I do want to mention the F word in the context of this passage, because it was a challenge for me at first to study and write this. By the F word, I of course mean feminism. Now, I'm not a sociologist or an expert on feminism, so I'm using the term very loosely. So please don't shoot me down in a big reply on what feminism really is and so on. All I can really do is share my own personal perspective as a woman and a wife. I was fortunate to be brought up to believe that I could do anything I put my mind to. I went to an all-girls school where we absolutely were expected to be high flyers. And my mum was a fantastic role model as one of the first female company directors in England back in the 80s. So I very much grew up with a strong sense that women could achieve anything with hard work. And I also gained lots of other insights about being a working mother and so on. And I also have natural leadership skills. But I've never doubted that men and women are different and I see them both as equally valuable. Now, coming into marriage is a bit of a bossy boots and marrying a man who is strong but also gentle and quietly spoken meant that we did have to grapple with this topic early on. But it wasn't actually that hard to grapple with. The way I see submission in my marriage is simply that in a partnership of two, someone needs to have the casting vote. And that someone is my husband. And you know what? That is actually really freeing. It means it's his responsibility if things go wrong. Now, often we agree easily, and so it's not that big a deal. But if we did disagree on something, then I submit to his decision, or at least I try to. You'll have to ask him for his perspective. So to me, feminism in its simple meaning is a good thing in that it encourages women to be seen as the valuable and equal people that they are to men. And it isn't contradicted by my faith. I do need to say a word here, though, relating to safeguarding. Some men are cruel and abusive to their wives. I do not believe that God is saying here that women should take that abuse willingly. I would counsel anyone in an abusive relationship to seek help and get out. Please contact us if you'd like direction towards help on this matter. 
As in other types of submission, we submit to the God-appointed authority unless that authority directs us to sin. In that case, we obey God rather than man. In Acts 5 verse 29, Peter himself said, we must obey God rather than human beings when Peter was being instructed to stop teaching. When women are seeing their children being forced to witness abuse, that is not what God wants. When women's lives are being derailed due to abuse, that is not what God wants. I'm not judging whether people stay or go or making broad pronouncements on this, but I am saying that the submission being talked about here of a wife to her husband does not include taking abuse. In submission, we are still equally valuable and any behaviour that says otherwise does not warrant true submission. Okay, so moving on, now that hopefully we've set some limits around what submission means, let's look at a lovely effect of it, eternal beauty. Peter says that a wife's beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewellery and fine clothes. We see a similar word from Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9, where he says, I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate for women who profess to worship God. So a bit of context here. Braided hair back in those days was often a sign of a lewd woman. I don't believe that God has a problem with plaits. The adornment that is talked about is often sensual and also requires a lot of riches. These days, gold jewellery is accessible to most, but in that context, Peter's saying you don't need riches to be beautiful. You don't need to dress sensually to be beautiful. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment. This is very countercultural to where we're at these days, and men, you need to take this on board too. I don't read this as Peter forbidding outward adornment. It's okay to fix your hair, wear jewellery and clothes. Apparently the word fine, fine clothes, was not in the original text. It's just that your beauty doesn't come from those things. Those things should be kept in their place in all our minds because they have limited value. Our real beauty is who we are, not what we do or our outward appearance. There is a big challenge here for a lot of us women but again, how freeing it is to fully grasp that our outward appearance is not so important. Peter goes on to say instead that our beauty should be that of our inner selves, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Unfading beauty sounds pretty good, right? No need to worry about anti-aging products when you have a gentle and quiet spirit. Again, it is countercultural to pursue a gentle and quiet spirit. Our society rewards those who shout loudest and women often feel that they must be strong and pushy in order to succeed and sadly they're probably right but a gentle and quiet spirit is of great worth in God's sight. I suspect that actually the same goes for men's spirit. Take Psalm 131. This wasn't written specifically to women and yet it says my heart is not proud Lord my eyes are not haughty I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quietened myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. 
A weaned child is one who is no longer desperately seeking milk, like I talked about last time, but one who has grown up a bit and is calm. This type of attitude is possible because we trust in God. We don't need to fight and shout and push when we trust in God to make the way forward. Peter says, for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. So this is not a new concept. And the key is that those women put their hope or trust in God. He then gives Sarah as an example. I spent a while wondering why he used Sarah as an example. I get why he didn't use Eve. She didn't really submit to Adam, but sought and succeeded to bring him into disobedience. But Sarah also had her failings. She tried to control God and Abraham by speeding up the promise of children the wrong way, by persuading Adam to sleep with their servant girl instead. She didn't really submit to God's plans or to Abraham in that instance. And Abraham, like Adam, was guilty of the old yes dear reaction of just going along with it. However, there were times when Abraham got it wrong but she did submit to him, like when they had to move to Egypt due to famine and he wanted her to pretend to be his sister, which caused some problems, but she did it. I think Peter uses her because she's the first woman we hear of who obeyed her husband on occasion and called him master. We don't see that in Eve and we don't hear a lot about Noah's wife at all. By the way, if these stories are unfamiliar to you, I suggest you read Genesis. There's an awful lot to be gained from it. It's interesting that Peter says, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Control and domineering in a relationship comes from fear. It is ultimately from the devil. Eve controlled things. Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness to control things. It is the opposite of trusting in God. But it is very natural in a relationship when we fear that we can't trust the other party to care for us. Submission takes bravery and trust. We might want to shape our husbands towards Jesus or in Jesus by our words. But we see from this passage that this isn't the way. They may be won over without words. We need to be brave and let God have his way with them. And a word to those who might one day get married. It's a really good idea to choose wisely and make sure we're choosing someone that we feel safe with and that we can submit to confidently. So to wrap up the instructions to the wives, Enduring Word commentary says a woman can trust her own ability to influence and control her husband or she can trust God and be submissive. A woman can trust her outward beauty and adornment Or she can trust God and cultivate a gentle and quiet spirit. It all comes back to trust in God. Right, husbands, you don't get off so lightly either. Peter says to you, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. (coughs) Excuse me. So in the same way as Christ treats the church, you are to be considerate, consider, think about your wife as you live together. The word for respect here means honour, treat them with honour as the weaker partner. Now weaker here, before we get our indignation out again, means weaker physically, not in any other sense. 
and you are reminded that your wife is an heir with you of eternal life. Grudem says you are equal in spiritual privilege and eternal importance. Now this was radical teaching because in that culture the husband had absolute rights and the wife had practically none. But the Christian husband will take care that his wife, as she submits, doesn't feel bossed about or tyrannised. Peter is teaching that a husband has duties and obligations to his wife, and this was radical. And he ends on a very serious note, telling the husband that failure in this area has spiritual consequences. It will hinder the husband's prayers. This should motivate you men. Is there something that you're praying for and you're not seeing it? Well, this passage is something to think about. So, There's lots of challenge in this passage and it would be good to go to God prayerfully if you're a wife and talk to him about your submission to your husband. And for those of you who are husbands, it would be good to talk to God about how you treat your wife. For all of us, it would be good to talk to God about our attitudes to inner and outer beauty and our feelings about not being controlling, but instead being gentle and quiet. Let's pray. Father God, please help us to grow in trust of you and put our hope in you rather than in our appearance or in our control of others. Amen. There's quite a lot in there. If there's anything you'd like to discuss, then please do get in touch. Uh, We'd love to chat things through and uh, look forward to seeing you again. Have a good week. Thanks for tuning in to Woody Online. We hope this week's message has inspired and blessed you. If you're ever in Cardiff, we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. Don't forget to check the show notes below for our contact details. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to tune in again next week for more inspiring content. We look forward to connecting with you soon.